everybody. Welcome to the Ugly Betty's. I'm Steven. I'm George. And today, we have a special guest from episode one. Welcome back, Lauren. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you guys? I'm good. Welcome back. Yeah, I have Thank seen you. Thank you. It's good to be back. <laughs> so, we're talking about season one, episode four, Face Lay Ride, my personal favorite episode in season one. And it was directed by... Trisha book and written by Sheila Lawrence and Sheila Lawrence has written like some of my favorite episodes of Ugly Betty. She wrote season four opener The Butterfly Effect part one and part two. She wrote the Adele episode in The Stars. Um, she wrote A Thousand Words by Friday in season two. And Trisha book she's been like steadily directing all these shows from Veronica Mars to On Becoming God in Central Florida. She's like she's been She's been getting the episodes. So, yeah. So, where do you want to start off? Well, I mean, I just love the opening right away with, no one eats the grilled cheese. Yeah. That line is good. That whole, the whole scene with the rack, I love how it was spliced through the whole episode. Like, it was in the beginning, it was in the end, and the setup, and the payoff. And, and I love the unison of the flip phones with Mark and Amanda at the party. I was going to say the tone, because this is like Betty's first networking party. And um, she, I've never heard of this. I've never heard of that kind of thing. But immediately, you know, you just get the sense that Betty is being played the fool by Mark and Amanda. Especially with their line with the flip phones of Betty's wall of shame. It seems like they're trying to genuinely help her, but that's not the case. Mm-mm. But there are networking parties. I've been to networking parties before. I have too. Yeah, so like they they do exist in all industries. They're just, you know, trying to make Betty, you know, look like an idiot and horrible. Like Right, in... that's their whole thing. It's a game to them. And then, of course, Mark has his famous screensaver. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the pictures he was taking on his flip phone were obviously going to go to his screensaver. And I love Amanda's opening line when she gets there. Like, don't stand so close to me and no one eats the grilled cheese. Uh, she's had, we went, of course, Fat Carol's eating one. What do you expect? Yeah, this whole episode of them just calling her Fat Carol. <laughs> well, I wonder in today's PC culture, would that fly today? Mm, I don't, I'm definitely not. But I love how um, Christina later in the episode said, that bitch skinny Carol. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when they're like that bitch skinny Carol, it flips around and it's like super funny. I think uh, I think it would get away. They would get away with it because you know these characters are not inherently good. They're not being played as good people. So I have a feeling it would still pass. And what's you're fun- laughing because bad people. Mm-hmm. Well, what's funny is um, later on in the episode, when we get to the next scene, um, there's one line that was said, and you have to keep in mind, this episode was in 2006. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the lines that still holds up well in 2020 was they were talking about the reason for the initial spread, which wasn't going to be Faye's sleigh ride. It was going to be, be a post-apocalyptic Christmas. And she says the line... Wilhelmina says the line with global warming and political unrest. So what do you guys think of the whole, if they went ahead with this, if it was installing, what do you guys think of the whole Christmas spread, the post-apocalyptic Christmas? Do you like their whole concept and everything? I get, 
I get the feeling that that's going to be Christmas 2020 at this point. Well, yes, that's why I love that line so much, because look, we're in 2020 and political rest and global warming are still topics of today. Yes, and one thing I want to start doing in this podcast, because we are talking about Ugly Betty, which is a fashion-based show. We need to talk about the fashion, and I would love to mention how every single thing that Willamita Slater wore was yellow and banana coloring, and it was amazing every single time. Well, I wonder if Vanessa Williams had a say in that or if that was the costumer. It was very, like, ivory, banana, that tone. I did, like... like... Yes, everything everything was yellow. You're correct. And I do wonder how much the actor gets the input and how much the costumer gets the input. Because I imagine Vanessa Williams knows her body and knows what looks good mm-hmm. and what doesn't look good with her skin tone and her coloring. So I do wonder how much uh, collaboration does Vanessa Williams or any of the other actors have with the costumers or if they just follow the costumers lead. And I think it's very like collaborative, especially in the TV medium because you're creating the character with the costume designer. As and it could know. go either way because every situation is different. Some costumers have a very specific drawn out thing that they want you to wear and then others are like well what do you think what would your character wear and i was like "Ooh, well i feel like my character would wear this i want to talk about how carol was horrible to betty even though she came with kindness i think because carol was bitter yep she was a bitter bitch and unfortunately in every office situation it doesn't matter what industry you're in there's always going to be that bitter person that's correct, Stephen. You should raise your hand. <laughs> hey! 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 Did... That was visual. That was supposed to be audio. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oops. However, one of the things I did notice from this episode was that more in this episode than in the previous episodes, there is such emphasis on the music box in this one. Yes. Starting from the beginning, there is such emphasis on the music box. And I want to make a note that on... on... This was not supposed to originally be the fourth episode in in the air. It was supposed to be the episode Swag. Swag was supposed to be episode four, but it got delayed and got pushed. So they put episode four first. So that's why you see in your DVDs that it goes Swag, then Face Slay Ride, because it helps the narrative. But I like, I'm, well, oh, so, but when you, when, Lo- when Lauren, when you watched it, it was episode four online. Because that's the order that it was aired on television. So I want to do the television air, not the one that aired by... Um, the DVD. Not the, the not the chronological order of the DVDs, the chronological order of when they aired. Yeah, because that's like how I experienced it. That's how you experienced it. That's how you experienced it. Yeah. So I, that's how I want to experience the audience. So when we get to episode 11, which I believe is swag in the television order, we're going to go back to Swag and yep. watch Swag and then comment on that episode. And maybe we could watch the one online is the one which was supposed to be because there's two different types of Swag, so we could compare them, see which scenes got changed around because there were scenes changed around. But wow. that's that's housekeeping. So yeah, we're doing episode four on television aired order. And next scene I want to talk about is... Walter still being at the house. Yes. It's <laughs> oh like, my god. That's desperate. Well, I mean, at the time... I mean, they were, they they were, were broken up. They were on and off. They were so. broken up. Yeah, they, they were, were bro- broken up at this point. But I love how... I love how the philosophy of the family is that tamale night rules above all. <laughs> right. That killed me. I, I literally put down... I said, 
whenever they said it's tamale night, I'm just like, how frustrating would that be that your ex still comes over for dinner, an ex that cheated on you, mind you, and then your family doesn't even take your side. Like, I, I know. And, the... and Betty just really, she takes it in stride. And Ignacio, and Ignacio is like, Betty, you can't be rude to your guests. Even if your ge- even if your guest isn't is your ex who cheated on you, and like I would I would personally I would die if my family did something like that to me. So like the fact that Betty just takes it so well, she she takes it like a champ. She just sits down for dinner. Yeah, and I, and I like now when it goes into a montage of Betty explaining what happened at the rag, Amanda explaining what happened, and Mark explaining what happened. And there were so many funny funny lines that came out of that, starting with Betty's like. Oh, you say the Fabi. Oh, and Carlo Medina. That was a good character. I wish his character was in future episodes, but this was the only episode he was on. And uh, fun fact, I've met that actor, Nicholas Gonzalez. You have? I have. Um, You want to hear a funny uh, small world thing? I gave an Uber ride to his wife. Ah. I had gone in for the good doctor, so I knew who Nicholas Gonzalez was. And um, I was giving his wife an Uber ride, and... She said, oh, my husband's an actor. And then she said the show. And I was like, oh, I know that show. I've been in for that show. I have friends who've been on that show. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to meet him because I was dropping her off at their house before they were leaving for Vancouver to shoot season three of The Good Doctor. Oh. And I love how in the, in the montage you just referenced, I love how Amanda gets jealous of Betty because of all the attention she's getting. And yes, then even even Mark so awful. And even so Mark Betty is finally getting respect. It bothers her so much. And then what does she do? She goes and trash talks her to Daniel. And, and I was like, Betty is just too nice for this. And and uh, even Mark gets jealous. And uh, like I love I this is a horrible line, but it was so funny. And when he was talking to the guy, she's like the real life snuffleupagus only hairier. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I love how their plan just immediately backfired. And then I love how Willamia said, What did you find that was useful to me? Do you know how many curly hair, a feet sycophants are waiting in line take, to take your job? Don't make me call. Don't make me call. <laughs> <laughs> I love how she's so calm and so sure of herself as she delivers, Don't make me call. <laughs> so funny personally my favorite part is like the next scene which is when justin comes to mode oh my um, god justin's yes. school Justin's project the scene is just so iconic whenever amanda was like just because we're sharing in an elevator doesn't, doesn't mean, mean we're, we're friends. friends and i was like oh she's so awful but then justin follows that up by calling out her two-year-old shoes like oh even i didn't notice that i love that i know i love i love that justin recognizes amanda's two-year-old shoes over mark recognizing them even mark didn't recognize them the way justin did and before It's it's perfection honestly and then i love how um one of the themes that i noticed about this episode was jealousy because the jealousy even bleeds over into the family life in this episode because you saw Hilda getting jealous of Betty because Justin wants to go to Mode instead of hanging out with his own mother. But he did, when Hilda did say the tea about the fashion industries, like saying, 
all those people are like you know wanting to wear expensive clothes that knows self-respect and was hilda even cutting hair at this point because you see her like peddling stuff um, no she, yeah she was doing herbalux yeah door to door still so she wasn't even cutting hair yet yeah. at this point no this that's no, way later he's still, this is still in the beginning she's still doing the herbalux thing okay because i mean i saw i saw the car yeah. with all the product in it so i was like oh so she's not cutting hair just yet that's season two. We're not there yeah. yet. We're not even halfway through season one. I. That's why I went back and revisited this. I'm learning a lot by revisiting this from the very beginning. I'm sorry for the spoilers, listeners. I apologize for him. <laughs> All right, next scene. I like. We talked about the elevator scene, which was funny. And next was the conference room when they find out that someone stole the concept. And shockingly, yes. for the first time, shockingly, mm-hmm. Betty is protected by Amanda and Mark when she's ready to confess. And and I, this is the first time you see the trio. There's like many times when they come together as a trio and I love everything because they all have great interactions when they're all three together. And you'll see that throughout the series, especially the third episode of season three. That's like my favorite time when they're all together. This Ooh. is like that first moment of that though and they really like, Whenever Mark very uh, it's very cheesy. He's like, we're all in this together, together. and the Mark and Amanda leave together. <laughs> they leave Betty saved by herself. And of course, Betty always has a conscience. So of course, she's ready to confess that she talked to people at Isabella at the networking party because and- she always has a conscience. Yeah, and I love when Wilhelmina would say, "Someone better confess. You have one chance to confess." Betty starts to raise her hand, and then. Mark slams it down, and Amanda kicks her leg. It's like, don't you fucking dare. That's my favorite part about that, though, is, like, honestly, the fact that Mark and Amanda, they were wanting Betty to look stupid, and now it's like, well, look who's got the egg on their face now. Because you all were talking to Isabella, so. So they need her now. They can't throw her under the bus, because if she goes, they go. And I I love how, like, they, they... do a montage of all the stuff that they did leak. And they're like, they should all get fired. That's that's this one of the- This episode has so many good montages. Well, I mean, Wilhelmina gets very authoritative in this episode because you have Daniel, they have to come up with a whole new concept for the magazine now for the spread. And uh, Daniel tries to say, so if you have any plans, and then Wilhelmina's like, what he means to say is kiss your loved ones goodbye. Inspect to come home to dead pets. And Mark said, Snoopy. <laughs> I just, I just, I love how Daniel's trying to calm the, calm the ease, but, you know, well, I mean, it's like, we don't have time for this. Kiss your loved ones goodbye. So savage. And I mean, it's just another thing I had in my notes here was obviously shout out to Nicholas Gonzalez from The Good Doctor, who was the guest star. He does a great job at flirting with both Mark and Amanda at the party, so... This does, he does a great job at playing his sexuality ambiguously because you can't tell if he's gay or straight. And another thing I want to start to mention is we further the plot with what's happening with Ignacio. We don't find out until the next episode what's really wrong with the HMO and how it's... But it's still boiling up. Yes. And it's getting closer and, and closer. You get a, and you get a big finish with, yeah, at the end. I was gonna say I was gonna say with Ignacio and uh with and Walter in this next scene. I actually really like that and I wanted to talk about it because Well yeah, I uh, love the I agree. It's, such a, it's a good bonding moment, but also the comedy in this scene is so good. Well, because you've got um 
you've got these really funny bits with Ignacio stealing the coffee and drinking it. He knows he's not supposed to. And also, I also wrote down. I was like, hey, "That's how you get COVID. <laughs> don't drink. <laughs> don't drink out of other people's coffee cups, Ignacio." Um, but well, you have that going on, and then you also have Walter uh, messing with the controller, and the controller is turning on these various things. That's such good comedy, and like it. It was so funny. I really wanted to make sure that we um, address shout it. That out. Yeah. I also, I also love from just the beginning of the scene alone. I love the look uh, that Ignacio gives Walter just at the beginning of the scene. He's looking at him like, "Why are you here?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I think he was trying to fix the TV and maybe wait, hoping that Betty was there, but obviously she's not, because she's dealing with something right now. And you see how much Ignacio really does love his daughter, just because because Walter's talking about how intimidated he is now by the new Betty, because he, he thinks, oh, this is a new Betty, and then Ignacio's like, it's no new Betty, just new surroundings. Yeah. And then I love, of course, the Pretty Woman reference, how Betty's mother was upset with Ignacio at one point. And so um, he reenacts Pretty Woman, and I uh, and Walter Walter asked if he paid her, right? It's like you paid him. <gasps> no, I did the scene. Oh my god! The end. Yeah, I was like Walter, you are so stupid. <laughs> did you pay her? No, I didn't pay her. <laughs> and another theme of this episode, like I think the major theme that for the whole episode was keeping secrets and how secrets are poison because we talked about the secret of who leaked the spread and then like will meet a secret that she's obviously hiding and we still won't find out till halfway through the season and then Bradford's secret and the secret of the music box but you know what happened in this episode because of all the secrets alliances among enemies were formed Mm -hmm. in this episode because you have Daniel and Wilhelmina forming an alliance together, and then you have Mark, Amanda, and Betty forming an alliance together. So because of trying to keep the secrets, you had alliances forming among enemies. Yeah, and- Right. I, I really enjoyed that. And also the fact that I think it also speaks on, um, you know, it's a battle between integrity and self-preservation mm-hmm. as well, which I think is another point that the episode was trying to get across, because... Uh, Betty is battling with that. She's ba- she's the one basically battling between her integrity and having a sense of self-preservation. You know, like, what is the right thing to do? Do I keep my integrity and I am, you know, stay a truthful person? Or, you know, do I try to save my own skin? And Which I is think, a very real struggle. And, yeah, and, just, oh, and every, I think everyone deals with that. That was a good point, Lauren. Candy points to you. I'm not going to give you candy, obviously, but (laughs) I I think that was a really great point that, you know, some people battle that internally. I know I do, like, self-preservation versus, like, you know, your integrity, what holds true with you, and I think Betty switched sides multiple times, but she, she ended with her integrity, and that's, like, the theme of the whole show, always stay in integral to who you are and with this episode right, you really... because, because with betty that's even what she tells justin you know she says that's not who we are so i was like yes betty you better stick to your guns and i think where we skipped over the scene with the another montage is like when they were trying to figure out what's the new spread of the magazine's gonna be 
Well, that's what I wanted to talk about, actually. Mm -hmm. I love that montage and the music in that montage because it captures the true insanity of an office when there's a crisis at the office. Mm -hmm. It's such a good montage. You have Amanda eating out of, like, sheer panic. She's eating all of these <laughs> snacks. Justin keeps calling with all these updates. And then you see Betty and Justin. And Justin is just, like, having the time of his life. He fits right in at mode. And, and it's hilarious. I love, it's I such love, a good montage. And in this episode, you really do get to see firsthand that Wilhelmina is such a detective. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's, like, putting her all of her suspects in a line in her office, and she's interrogating them. You see what a true detective Wilhelmina is. So, tell me, who do you know at Isabella? <laughs> and then I love how Christina volunteers to watch Justin while Betty's trying to get a hold of all the insanity in the office. I love that Christina... You just see what a good heart Christina has, because she volunteers to watch Justin while she's trying to handle her work stuff. Yes. And, but Shout the, out to Christina. But the montage I was talking about, like, when, with the whole thing with, you did not Justin me when you say Kwanzaa, which is... <gasps> oh, yes, that. I have that. Oh, my God. When Wilhelmina says, did you just gesture at me when you said Kwanzaa? Which is a very topical right now. Such a good one-liner. There's so many good one-liners in this episode and really throughout the whole series, but, like, it's just another one-liner win because it's so funny. The look that she gives Daniel, she's just like, how dare you? And he's like, what? No, I didn't do that. And I like how they ended on Faye, Faye's sleigh ride. I, this is a Wilhelmina scheme. She underhandedly did this. Like, she made sure, like, the further detention between Bradford and Daniel. Well, because uh, what I thought was brilliant about that concept was um, you had, um, you got to see Wilhelmina's subtle humor and how she was able to go along to get what she wanted. Like, she did put the antlers on herself. Yeah. She drew the line at the red nose, mm -hmm. but, you know, she did put the antlers on herself. So you get to see, you get to see a little bit of uh, Wilhelmina's subtle humor and her humanity in this because... Obviously, she does have an agenda, but mm. she goes about getting it by playing along. Yes. Also, I do think, though, this was just a very happy accident because it was all of the assistants and Fat Carol, as they call her. Uh, it was their screw-up this time. Not something necessarily that Wilhelmina did, but she definitely took full advantage of it which shows just how resourceful she is and i the next thing i want to talk about when when a mark and amanda goes to betty's house for the first time oh my god well that's where you have uh wait 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 wait, wait. before we do that i you were skipping over something that was very important to me it made me very emotional what is so betty important that made you no, so emotional no, it's betty and daniel okay you <gasps> yes yes Yes, You're because yes, well, because I I have in my uh, it's good you brought that back because I have in my notes right here. Daniel knows how important Betty is to him and tells her I don't want to lose you. I screamed! I screamed at my computer because it was just the way he said it. He was like, I don't have to know about everything, especially if knowing about it means I might end up losing you. And the look that he gave her, I lost it. I told you guys from the beginning, I was always on the Betty and Daniel train, so... 
and well because by that point well because by that point by that point the plot was thickening because Bradford confronted Betty so the plot was really starting to thicken there because you know Bradford I don't think interacted with Betty since what the first episode no system the third the last episode Queens for a day when they met in the elevator oh yeah that's right and then he was like you look taller Oh, thank yeah, you. Which is so awkward. But this but was this like, like but the first time he's really talked. Yes, to her, you know? like really, really like talk to her, and then so obviously she's feeling the pressure, and so she's like, "Oh my God, I have to confess." But then Daniel forbids her to confess because he knows that like I don't want to lose her. So it, it made me really happy. I was very emotional. And about it. the it only other note I have here is that I love that Amanda's stress seats. It just adds such a level of humanity to her character when she stress eats. And, like, she does, she does yeah, that through the ha- an entire the series. Montage, and then going to Betty's house, and she's still sitting there eating the chips. She eats the flop. And then this is another callback from a previous Amanda gag when she says, Hola. No. <laughs> oh, my God. There's like, an H in it. so angry. <laughs> guest is hungry we have we have flawed Ooh, what's a flawed it's a delicious custard oh bring it and then you and then going back to the home life you just see that hilda cannot stand that justin is in awe of betty's job it's oh you stole the good stuff and like i love that moment you see when mark and manda look at justin they're warm to him they like accept him more than betty and then I love how there's another callback to Devil Wears Prada because Justin's like, there's an entire Prada closet. <laughs> so there's another callback to Devil Wears Prada because this was still 2006 when that movie was a huge hit. So they were still trying to cash in on the whole Devil Wears Prada success. Mm-hmm. And also going back to what you were saying though earlier about, um, about Daniel and Betty, I wanted to touch on something else. You see the difference between Betty and Mark. Because Mark tries to hide it by getting Wilhelmina her favorite salad. Yeah. He's like, ooh, I, I chopped up your your romantic. Baby corn. Yeah, just like, a decom your baby corn. And just like, was Carla Medina from Isabella at the rack last night? <laughs> no, he's like, he's like hyperventilating and he's like walking. He's having an asthma attack. He's walking on eggshells, whereas you just, you just see the clear difference where Mark's still trying to cover and hide it. Whereas Betty, Betty, right before Daniel says, please don't tell me, Betty is like, no, my conscience has to win here. Um... And you'll see, and you see what um, Mark, Amanda, and Betty does when they're guilty. Amanda eats. Um, Mark hypoventilates, and Betty feels guilty and like wants to confess. That's like yeah. their character traits throughout the whole show. But the one thing that unites them is Carol. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like we're pinning it on Fat Carol. What? You know she calls you Fat Betty, right? And that's what I hate. Secrets turn to lies, and lies are so much worse. Well, because here's the thing. Every single group in this, it doesn't matter whether you were Betty or, or Mark or even Amanda, everybody assumes that Carol did it. Yes. It's like, it's probably Fat Carol. We're planning on a so Carol funny. anyway. It's like you want to feel bad for Carol. You're like, oh my God, they're so awful. But even, no, there's no 
reason to feel bad for her, because then she hops on the elevator and she's trash-talking them. And it's like, oh yeah, she is awful. And he's <laughs> like, Fat Carol! And even Betty sides with Mark and Amanda and says, yes. Fat Carol! He calls her Fat Carol. Betty finally, like, I guess, succumbs to Mark and Amanda's uh, peer pressure, and she's like, yeah, Fat Carol! And not to give anything away, obviously, to what we were talking about earlier, but I love how even Ignacio can sense that Betty's keeping something from him. And Ignacio, without, without dropping the bomb, goes, You know, Betty, sometimes we have to keep secrets in order to survive and stay alive. Exactly. So even Ignacio yes, senses that exactly. Betty is... that self-preservation. Yeah, so again. even Ignacio senses, okay, something's wrong with my daughter and she's not saying something. Yeah, and the next scene is, like, Mark, the trio versus Wilhelmina, and they're in their office, they're like, oh. Well, the, you know, you're missing the, the revelation. Well, we finally, we, I was gonna, I was gonna actually say that in my notes I have, we finally find out the significance of the music box yes. in this episode. That, yeah. that the masked woman is connecting Faye Summers' death to Bradford Mead, and you find out that, um... Faye Summers was Bradford's, was Bradford's mi mistress. Yes, that's such a sad. It's such a sad revelation by Daniel as well, though, when he's talking about his mom um, and how it was like the worst Christmas that he remembered. I was like, it, it makes you, it makes you feel really bad for Daniel. You know, it's a really great, it's a really great uh, moment and, and Daniel, for him and really for the actor as well, because I, I was like oh my god, you know, you just feel so bad for him because he had no idea, and then he, this shows up on his desk, and you're like, oh my god, and he has no idea that it's Faye doing all this either. Well, so even, of course, that just adds another whole twisted element to it. Even in this episode, Daniel does finally start to clue in, though, because he's like, you know, she's trying to connect, this woman is trying to connect my father to Faye's death. Mm-hmm. So even even Daniel. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He just doesn't. He just doesn't know that it's Faye, though. Which is what I'm saying. It's that whole other twisted element to it. The fact that Faye is the one behind it all. And then we find out, obviously, as the plot continues to thicken, that there was no paper for Justin that he had to write. Yeah, and he just wanted to come to that world to experience it. And Betty says, "This world's not always what it's cracked up to be." Yeah, that's where she has that great line that this is not who we are. Mm -hmm. I was like. Yes, that's good writing. That's good. But then at the end of the day, Justin, after after he gets his punishment, Justin's like, it was worth it. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to talk about how our industry, the entertainment industry, yep. the fashion industry, like, you know, when, when we get deeper and deeper, it sometimes it's like, it's not that glitz and glamour. It is glitz and glamour, but you know. There's a lot of ugliness that unfortunately this industry has underneath the facade of beauty and glamour and... Now in the era of Times Up and Me Too, that is Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter that has come to the light even further now. Mm -hmm. So now more people are awake and aware of that. But yes, and I mean whether it's fashion or whether it's the music industry, music or whether, in, or whether music it's industry. or whether it's Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I mean even even in corporate industries, you just find out the ugliness of humanity in these industries that's buried deep in the systemic sexism mm -hmm. or racism. L.A. Reid had to step down from his Epic Records position because of allegations. I mean, Mariah Carey was one of the first people to sound the alarm going, okay, everybody's talking about Harvey Weinstein, but what about the music industry? This mm. happens all the time in the music industry. Mm. 
a lot of careers, unfortunately, get squashed because of sexism from higher powers. And we would never know who was supposed to make it because of all those people. Right. And there's so many music that we weren't blessed enough to have because the horribleness and the ugliness of, like, the top... I don't want to say... It's not always white men, but, like, the straight cisgender men at the top controlling the people at the bottom who are, like, different, who are the other, like, the women or... The people of color, and I'm hoping that because I, of I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop yourself. I wouldn't shoot yourself in the foot because a lot of it is white men. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look right. at the I mean, you do, you do, have, you do have, in Hollywood, right. mostly white men. If you look at the positions of power, say in like the theater industry, white men. So no, yes, no. and the theater industry. Th- thank you for bringing it up because. But to bring up both of your right. points and and marry them, I agree with both of you. Yes, it is predominantly white men. But then to Stephen's point, you do have a rare exception, like an R. Kelly or a Bill Cosby. You know what? It's the great thing about what I'm learning about this. Women are not doing it when they're in position of power because. The patriarchy don't want women to get to that level. Well, because... um, Because, you know, women will be fair. Like, they will give opportunities to men and women of all races and all colors. But white... I, I, like, you know well, how Reese, I feel uh, about Reese, this. Reese, Reese Witherspoon, I was watching her do interviews this week because she's doing she's doing the Emmy, you know, campaign. For, for Little Fires Everywhere. Well, and for The Morning Show and for Big Little Lies. I mean, she's making the rounds in all of her Emmy interviews. And she Queen! Had, and she had a great point, which was like, look, streaming has been an industry game changer because back in the day, it was just movie studios guessing. Mm-hmm. But now with streaming, there's data that proves that, yes... People want women's stories. They want more stories about people of color. They want queer stories. They want queer stories. They want more diverse storytelling. And now there's data there in streaming that proves it. And support it. And like Mindy Kaling's new show, I forgot the title of it, it just got a second season because people wanted to see that. And Love, Victor, who one of the creators of Love, Victor is... The, is the writer Sheila Lawrence of this episode she's one of the producers of the episode she wrote which I highly she, recommend you watch because guess who's in Love Victor I wonder who Anna Ortiz wait yeah I, I read that she plays the mother you should really watch it I will watch it. I watched all 10 episodes in one day I highly recommend it it is a wonderful shout show shout out to Anna Ortiz shout out to Anna Ortiz I hope she will be a guest someday yes we, I loved your work in Love, Simon. I, I mean, Love, uh, Victor. I watched it in one sitting in one day. But um, And obviously we love your work in Ugly Betty because this is why we're doing this. But um, just, to, just to wrap up what I was saying, and then that's why Reese loves being a producer now because she was like, she acknowledges it. She was like, yes, I was a white woman and I was a beneficiary of my privilege. I got to star in movies. I got to do these things. But now... Now that I'm in a place of power as a producer, I do want to look at boards and go, okay, where are the women? Where are the people of color? Where is the diversity? And, like, I saw something on Tumblr a couple days ago about the how Hollywood is shaped. Most of the showrunners and TVs are white men. And Reese Willis... And- like in Reese Witherspoon, to change it, Shauna Ryan, she starred. Yes. I think she was a main proprietor that changed. Ryan Murphy changed that. Reese, like, well, Reese Witherspoon said, look, I feel like it is our job as this generation to leave this industry better than when we found it. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. And, like, this is why we're coming up in the industry, you and me, so we can change it yes. for people who come up after us. It's 20 And I agree with that. I just think there's, I just think there's room for everybody. 
And I feel like slowly but surely it is getting better. It's mm-hmm. just taking time. I mean, this is this is like baby steps. Like baby steps. We're in, like not to argue with you, but right. to argue with you. This is twenty twenty. We we don't need baby Unfor- steps okay, anymore. Okay, but here's the thing, though. Unfortunately, this industry is so ingrained in what it's been for the last fifty years. That change doesn't happen overnight. So I'm glad that's ingrained in cookie cutter whiteness. I'm glad I'm glad that we're finally breaking through the barriers though of the cookie cutter whiteness and slowly but surely this industry is changing for the better. Yes, it is changing for the better, but speaking on the theater industry, like how well the shows are going in more diverse shows, like I know Hamilton. Like like Hamilton, I know there's there's a lot of work to do on Broadway when Broadway does come back. Absolutely. I, well, like there's a lot of work to be done on Broadway. We, off, don't, we don't know when that's going to be though. Off Broadway is better than Broadway when it comes to diversity, and that's the T. And Broadway is getting better, but although I will point out that my friend was the first black woman in history to play Eponine on Les Misérables in 1997. Shawnee Wilson, first black woman in history to play Eponine on Broadway in the 90s. We're veering off topic, but I think this is a very thing, important thing to discuss before we get back to the episode. Because I don't want Hollywood and the theater community and the music community to use diversity as stunt and, and publicity. Because we're right. not... Pu- exactly. in, in the queer community, right. we're not publicity. Right. The trans community, and we're not publicity. Right. We have our own culture. We just want to show. We don't want to use, like, I don't want it to be used. Right. We're supposed to be helping all communities just because you know it's the right thing to do. Right. Exactly. I, I don't want to be a prop for money. Frankly, I think a lot of people of color are tired of the bullshit. And I hope we can get to the place in Hollywood and in life in general where there's room for everybody and nobody has to get hired just for the sake of being, you know, a diversity mm-hmm. hire where... I feel like that's how it is going to be now. And we're so many opportunities to make your own stuff. So this is what I say to all creative people who are listening. If there's not a story for you, tell your own story. Write your own stuff. That's what I did with with my one-man show. Hollywood wasn't hiring me. They weren't giving me jobs because I'm an autistic queer actor. So I figured, okay, um, I'm going to write my own one-man show. And it opened up so many doors, but it started with me. Now, back to the episode. Sw- uh, I mean, uh, swaying back into the episode after Trying that. Trying to circle back around. Trying to circle back around. I do love about Betty, and one of the things I personally learn from Betty every time I watch this show is Betty's conscience always wins because mm-hmm. she is a true woman of integrity. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, I think that circles back around beautifully to what we were talking about, about the industry and the, the systemic racism and the sexism and the unfairness of everything, where it's like, okay, we can change it. Let's just make sure we have integrity while we change it. Yes, and back to the scene when Wilhelmina announces, like, Fat Carol did it and you're all good. Betty was going to put the blame all on herself that she did the whole leak. Wilhelmina said no. Because this is when you learn that, like, the true detective, Wilhelmina is, she is always two steps ahead of everybody else. Yes. She's a good schemer and good detective. And like When it came good... to figuring out the leak, she was always two steps ahead. Like, she yeah. she didn't really didn't have to do that. I think she did that to put fear into everybody. And especially because she knew that it was all three of them. The fact that it was mostly Carol was what she knew that but the fact that she knew that they also had a part in it because she was like you were drunk you were horny and you 
we're naive. I was like, oh man, Wilhelmina is just so smart. She's too damn smart. The scene that goes after that is when they go into the photo shoot. Oh, oh my god, another of the times reference that comes with that was when Justin was like, it's just like top model, except nobody's crying. <laughs> so another reference to of the times, because obviously it was 2006 and America's Next Top Model was still a very hot show. And I I love I love that whole ending part in the when they were doing the photo shoot, because there was three major things that's happening. The little bonding moment between Justin and Mark. Yes, that will happen throughout the whole series, but that just starts well, it. I, uh, well, that's the beginning of Mark getting an affinity with Justin. Mm-hmm. And he knows. You know, there's like that knowing kind of bonding moment between them. And I, because lo- I love that, you know, he just sits Justin down and he's like, you know, be yourself, wear whatever you want, just learn to run really fast. Yes. <laughs> and the next part is with them. Bradford and Daniel and how he reviewed he brought the music box that Clara that owned. his mom's. Yeah. Yes. I, think, like, I found it. I think in this episode, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, I think in this episode, is this the episode where you find out that his mother's name is Claire? Yes. Okay. You find out about Claire is his mom's name. Okay, because I remember you look at the music box and it clearly says Claire. Yes. And I love... I love how Dan, um, not Daniel, but I love how Bradford's like freaking out at first. He thinks it's face. He thinks it's face. And it says Claire. I said, "Oh, I found it upstairs." And then I love how I love how Daniel gets it and puts it in the chute. I I love that too. I love it's a really great moment for him to like honor his mother and the horrible things that she went to, and it's also a great fuck you to Faye. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I really love that he did that. And then the last part. My favorite quote from this whole episode, out of all the quotes, Wilhelmina said, Snow is a magical blanket. It hides what's ugly and makes everything beautiful. It's a great ending button to that moment and to that scene. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant writing, and Vanessa Williams delivers it brilliantly. Yes, and Sheila Lawrence, you're a great writer. And I would love to have you on the podcast when we get to another one of your episodes. Hopefully in the, in the stars in season three. But the last scene we find out about... This is when the bomb is dropped. <laughs> yes. Would you like to explain that bomb? All right. It is discovered that Ignacio used a different social security number. And That's it... a pretty huge bomb to drop, you know, because Betty basically is stuck with this information that now she knows that her dad has been using a fake social security number and that he's been an illegal patients are not good and that he's been an illegal citizen this whole time when they were growing up and um he did he did this obviously to protect himself and to protect his family and to survive but now now that he can't get his medicine anymore this is going to be an issue again that whole theme comes back integrity versus self-preservation you know and what? once again, you see how Wilhelmina is two steps ahead because at the end, Nicholas Gonzalez comes back mm-hmm. and Wilhelmina, Wilhelmina says, how can I get you to work for me? Or spy for mode. <laughs> yes. And I love, the, I love the connection, obviously, with Ignacio's Pretty Woman story as a way to win Betty's mother back because then Walter has to figure out what Betty's favorite movie is, which is Beauty and the Beast. 
And at the end, Walter comes back and sings Beauty and the Beast. And, that's and, and, we... that, and that re- moment reminded me of you so much, Lawrence. Like, of course, Lawrence. She's, she, but she's crying and having a moment. And, and just and just to bring back my usual showbiz. I, I, no, I'm not, I'm not about Walter and Betty. I'm all about Daniel and Betty. But what did you think of that scene with Beauty and the Beast and uh, Walter and Betty, Lauren? That was I, a... I thought it was cute, but it made me mad. Because I was like, Betty, are you really just going to let this stupid-ass guy sing bad karaoke to you? And you're going to let him back in your life? And remember, so. he was his first... And you guys want to know something funny? Mm -hmm. If this wasn't a Disney property, it would have had to have been a different movie and a different song from a different company. Because you want to know why they were allowed to use Beauty and the Beast in the episode? Because ABC is owned by Disney. (laughs) Yeah, so I I was like, and you know what else is funny? Pretty Woman, Touchstone. Which is owned by Disney. So obviously they had to figure out, okay, what movies can we reference that are Disney properties? Mm -hmm. Because Pretty Woman is Disney and Beauty and the Beast is Disney and Ugly Betty is on on a station that's owned by Disney. Mm. (laughs) So yeah, I think this is a perfect place to end the episode. So any final thoughts on the episode? Tale as old as time. (laughs) Lauren, any? I, I, I'm excited for the next episode because the next episode is when, yeah, where we really get the ball rolling when it comes to f- figuring out more about Ignacio, mm-hmm. uh, which is really good. It's a really great development in the first season. Um, but I love this episode. Again, huge fan of that moment with Betty and Daniel. It made me really happy and really excited because I love those sweet moments between them. I live for it. And... I was not happy with Betty for just letting Walter badly serenade her with Beauty and the Beast. But in the next episode, the plot thickens in that department. So without further ado, my name is Steven. My name is George. And my name is Lauren. Bye. Bye.